Hi, this is uh, Alan Dershowitz. It's the Dersh Show. Um, as you know, we're uh, moving toward a new schedule. Uh, right now, the Dersh Show is appearing uh, episodically uh, on audio, but we're hoping that in the next uh, week or so, we'll be back to audio and video and hopefully appearing uh, three or four days a week and continuing with uh, uh, wonderful interactions that we've had with so many of you who have contributed so much to the Dirt Show. In the meantime, I've gotten lots of emails and lots of messages from so many loyal viewers and listeners saying, please come back. We want to hear your points of view. And so here's my point of view for today. I want to talk today about what's going on in the Middle East. Um, there's never been a clearer uh, dispute between complete evil and good. Uh, the complete evil is Hamas. Um, every time they send a rocket uh, aimed at a school, a shelter, a bus, a hospital, every time they target civilians, which they do all the time, they commit a war crime. But every time they fire a rocket from a populated area of Gaza, using their own civilians in hospitals and schools and UN locations, they also commit a war crime. So every time Hamas sends a rocket into Israel from a populated area of the Gaza Strip, they commit a double war crime. And Israel, of course, under the Charter of the United Nations, has a complete and full, not only possibility, permission, but obligation to respond in self-defense. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what that means. They don't have to respond proportionally. If uh, Hamas sends a rocket, under international law, Israel can send 10 or 100 rockets as long as they are aiming them at military targets. Proportionality has nothing to do with the number of rockets you send to defend your civilians. It has to do only as a matter of international law with whether your actions are directed against military targets. And if you know there's going to be some inevitable civilian casualties, as there always will be when rockets are sent deliberately from behind civilians, then the number of civilians who are endangered has to be proportional to the danger that's being presented, prevented um, by the use of the of the rockets. And as President Biden has correctly pointed out, uh, Israel's actions are not overreactions. They have been proportional. They have a complete right of self-defense. Now, 13 years ago, I wrote a book about the last time, or one of the last times, this has happened every four or five years, that Israel has had to defend itself against Hamas rockets. I called the book The Case for Moral Clarity. And it had a wonderful cartoon on the cover. The cartoon had an Israeli soldier standing in front of a baby carriage with a baby in it, protecting that baby by firing at the terrorists. And the terrorists are firing at Israel from behind the baby carriage. In other words, the terrorists are using the babies to protect themselves, whereas the Israelis are protecting the babies. And in my book called The Case for Moral Clarity, I talked about what I called the dead baby strategy. This is not my term. This comes from people in Hamas themselves. 
they know that every time they can produce a video uh, that shows a dead baby, they win the war. Now, Israel doesn't show off its dead babies. Uh, I talked to my cousin just uh, today, who is the rabbi in Sterot, the city right on the border with the Gaza, and he had just come back from a funeral of a six-year-old boy who had been killed, murdered, murdered, because it's a war crime, killed in a shelter. Uh, the rocket had penetrated the shelter and had killed him and seriously injured his, his mother. But the Israelis didn't show him off, didn't parade him around, didn't bring him in front of CNN or Fox News. Uh, but the Palestinians do that. They use what's called the dead baby strategy. They know that that the media loves dead babies. They love showing dead babies. And if you're showing a dead baby, you must be a victim. Of course, some of the dead babies are killed by Hamas rockets. About 30% of the Hamas rockets misfire. Many of them land in the Gaza Strip and some of them kill civilians. And yet Hamas counts those civilian deaths among those caused by Israel. Let's go back a minute just to history to understand how unjustified what Hamas is doing is. Israel abandoned its occupation of the Gaza Strip in 2005. Every single soldier, every single civilian, they had to dig up their graves of their of their loved ones because remember that Israelis had lived in the Gaza Strip, had occupied the northern Gaza Strip for a period of time. But in 2005, they ended that occupation, took out every soldier and every civilian. They left behind farm implements. They left behind hothouses so that the Gaza Strip could become Singapore on the Mediterranean. It could easily have become a beautiful area. It's seacoast. It's filled with all kinds of opportunities. But instead, Hamas overthrew the government of the Palestinian Authority, murdered many Palestinian uh, who are members of the Palestinian Authority and imposed a religious tyrannical dictatorship on the people of the Gaza Strip. That wasn't Israel's fault. Israel does not occupy the Gaza Strip. Now, obviously, we know that it tries to stop rockets from being delivered from Iran, which is sending rockets to the Gaza Strip. So, it yes, it interdicts uh, sea transport. It searches boats that are coming into the Gaza, but it doesn't occupy them. There isn't a single person uh, of Israeli background in all of the Gaza Strip. There's no occupation. And so Hamas in the Gaza has no rationale for sending rockets. They're not trying to free themselves from any kind of an occupation. They are free to conduct themselves and have a wonderful life. Uh, And if they stopped sending rockets, um, Israel would stop interdicting boats and would stop controlling the airways. Israel is simply defending itself. uh, As uh, Colonel Kemp, who was the head of British forces in Afghanistan, has said, no country in history has ever gone to such lengths to avoid civilian uh, casualties. Uh, When Israel bombs a building, it first sends a message to the people in the building uh, saying, you're going to be bombed in 12 minutes. Get out of the building. It's a headquarters for the Hamas. It's a place where rockets are stored. You have 12 minutes to get out, and they get out, and then the building is is destroyed. 
they lose tremendous advantage of surprise when they do that, but they're prepared to do that because I think many have agreed with what I have said, and that is no country in modern history facing threats similar to those faced by Israel from terrorism, from terror tunnels, from rockets, from uh, combustible balloons, uh, from uh, explosions. No country faced with comparable threats has ever had a higher level of human rights compliance, a higher level with compliance with the rule of law, and more concern for the lives of civilians on the other side. Israel has the best record of any country, tragically better than some Western democracies in some other parts of the Middle East, in Iraq and Afghanistan and other places. Look, Western democracies on the whole have very good records of trying to protect against civilian casualties, but Israel leads the way. It has developed very smart weaponry designed to prevent civilian casualties. I was once in the headquarters when they were chasing, when the Israelis were chasing a terrorist who had murdered hundreds and hundreds of people who was planning to murder others. And they had him in their sights and they called off the attack because there were some civilians in the area. Not very many countries would do that. Certainly no country in the Middle East would do that. Certainly Hamas would never do that. Certainly the Palestinian Authority would never uh, do that. And so you get a total, total asymmetry. And yet, look at what's going on today within the hard left of the Democratic Party. Bernie Sanders, who is a self-hating Jew, uh, who is somebody who can never see the good in Israel, can only see the good in Israel's enemies, even while these rockets are flying and killing Israeli civilians, Bernie Sanders goes out of his way to condemn Israel, goes out of his way essentially to support Hamas. He joins the crew, uh, AOC and Alan Omer, who see the issue in a totally and completely one-sided way. Uh, the hard, hard left of the Democratic Party is not only anti-Israel, Israel being um, America's strongest ally, but ultimately is anti-American. They have more favorable views of countries like Iran and, and Cuba uh, than they do of the United States or of uh, America's strongest ally, Israel. And so it's so important, God forbid, if Bernie Sanders had been the Democratic nominee for president, I surely would not have voted for him. I did vote for uh, for Joe Biden. I would never have voted for Bernie Sanders. Um, he would have made the worst president in American history, and he would have totally supported uh, Hamas, uh, and he would have totally abandoned um, Israel. And uh, I hope that he is marginalized in the Democratic Party along with uh, others. Um, but there have been 20 or 30 um, uh, people in the Democratic Party, all on the hard left, um, who have uh, abandoned Israel, have supported Israel's enemy. Some of them have been Jewish. Others have not been, not the squad, for example. But uh, you find this attack going on, or take Peter Beinart, um, calls himself an intellectual, um, I, I wouldn't give him that um, uh, qualification, uh, but nonetheless, he has written now two op-eds, the most recent one, while this fighting was going on in the New York Times. New York Times, by the way, has published five op-eds in a row condemning Israel, 
and only won by Brett Stevens supporting it. But in, in his op-ed, uh, Peter Beinart calls for the end of Israel as the nation state of the Jewish people. Uh, it doesn't want there to be a country called Israel. It wants there to be a country called Palestine hyphen Israel, in which the Jewish population of this new country would be a small minority, and the country would be ruled by its Muslim majority. It would be ruled by Sharia law. It would be ruled by people who want to see the end of any Jewish presence in the Middle East, and it would result in the end of Israel. This coming from a Jew who until recently called himself a Zionist. Um, And the New York Times published it. And the New York Times published another op-ed by somebody who said that in 1967, Israel continued its occupation by occupying the West Bank and Gaza, continued its occupation. In other words, before 1967, this op-ed writer says, Israel was occupying Tel Aviv and occupying Haifa and occupying all the other cities of uh, Israel. It only continued its occupation in 1967 after its very existence was uh, threatened. And so these are the kinds of things we today see. But think about what's going on with the social media today. So President Trump, former President Trump, would like to have defended um, Israel. He has defended Israel. He's issued statements, but he can't get on Twitter because Twitter has said that you can't get on Twitter if you're going to lie. And they have declared President Trump to be a liar, as has Facebook and others. So if you're a liar, you can't get on Twitter, even if you're telling the truth about Israel. So Twitter doesn't have President It has the following tweets. Just I'll give you a few examples of tweets that I have read in the last few days. One tweet from a Pakistani actress quoting Hitler, saying Hitler said he killed six million Jews and kept a few alive so that the world will know why he had to kill Jews. Now, that's up on Twitter. Another one saying, I'm the new Hitler. I'm going to defend the Palestinians against the Jews. I'm the new Hitler. Another one saying Israel isn't really a state at all. It isn't a country, though it's recognized by many, many countries around the world and by the United Nations. Israel isn't a country. Uh, It's just a colonial outpost. Um, And those stay up. So think about that for a second. When you go on Twitter and you read those lies, you say to yourself, that must be true. After all, it's been kept up. It hasn't been taken down. They took down Trump because they say he's lying. But they kept up these and other tweets that glorify Hitler, that condemn Israel, that condemn Jews. So the tweets that are up must be truthful. And that's the biggest lie of all. The biggest lie of all is the social media keeping things up that they claim are true while taking down what they claim is untrue. And so it's false and misleading presentation. They are essentially certifying what they put up there as true by taking down material which they have concluded is untrue. The same thing is true with Facebook now with its new Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court takes something down and leaves something else up, is it really certifying that what was kept up is truthful and legitimate? That is the inherent problem when you have selective censorship. When you take certain things down because they're untrue and you keep other things up, implying that they're true even though they're clearly untrue. Look, 
In the end, the social media can't determine what's true or what's false. Uh, the Supreme Court of Facebook can't determine what's true and what's false. What's true or what's false has to be determined in the court of public opinion. It has to be determined by history. It has to be determined by reality. And the reality is that Israel is here to stay. It is a democracy in the Middle East, the only democracy in the Middle East, surrounded on all sides by undemocratic tyrannies and monarchies and countries sworn to the destruction of Israel. It is trying very hard to make peace with some of those countries, with the Gulf Sunni nations. Um, It has allowed Qatar to give aid to Gaza, humanitarian aid. What has the Hamas done with it? It's taken the humanitarian aid and turned them into rockets. It is denying its own people electricity and water in order to use those resources to send rockets and target Israeli uh, civilians. That's the reality. That's the truth. And nothing that Bernie Sanders says from whatever the psychological basis of his hating his Jewish heritage, his hating the nation state of the Jewish people, his hating his religion, whatever the source is, it's just not true. Whatever the source of Peter Beinhardt's desire to see the end of Israel as the nation state of the Jewish people, it's not going to happen. It took 2,000 years for the Jewish people to reestablish a state in Israel, a place that it has been, Jewish people have been there for 3,500 years. In 1848, people don't realize this, when they did the first census, I think I have my date right, but it's close. When they did the first census of uh, what was then Palestine, a name, an artificial name given by the Romans to deny the Jews the right to be there, uh, when they did the first census, there was a substantial Jewish majority in Jerusalem. It's not that the Jews came there when Theodor Herzl um, uh, created uh, political Zionism. It's not that the Jews suddenly came there uh, when, when, when Hitler decided to kill six million, uh, what is now Israel, for 3,500 years. And they've been there in very significant numbers uh, in the last part of the 19th century and all through the 20th and 21st century. The Jewish claim to Israel is far stronger than the claim that white people today have to New Zealand uh, or to Australia. Uh, but particularly New Zealand, which was essentially established as a country at about the same time that the Jews began to return in very large numbers. Jews belong in Israel. Englishmen have no claim to New Zealand. What the British did was dispossess the Maoris and other natives and murdered many of them. Israel, on the other hand, worked together with the population that existed there, Jewish and Muslim and Christian alike to try to live together. And when the United Nations partitioned um, what was then Palestine, again, an artificial name, into a Jewish and an Arab or a Jewish and a Muslim uh, area, uh, Israel accepted it and the Palestinians rejected it. And what the Palestinians had done even before that, the leadership of the Palestinians went to Germany. Um, The Grand Mufti of Jerusalem uh, made a treaty with Hitler cooperated with him, became a war criminal, uh, killed many, many, many people, prevented 
Jews from leaving Europe and coming to what was then Palestine, now uh, Israel. Pictures of the Grand Mufti and Hitler together uh, were in homes all over uh, Palestine, homes owned by Muslims and Arabs. So, you know, you say, why blame the Arabs for uh, what happened to the Jews in the Second World War? Yes, a lot of what happened to the Jews in the Second World War are attributable and blameworthy to the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, who was a hero to the Palestinian people. He would have created a gas chambers and death camps in Israel had the Germans managed to win the battles in North Africa and Egypt and take over um, Palestine as it hoped to do. So th- there is, there's no innocence uh, among the Palestinian leadership going back to well, well, well before the establishment of the state of Israel. So all I'm calling for is truth. All I'm calling for is reality. I want the world to know the history. I want the world to know there could have been a Palestinian state in 1938, 1948, 1967, 1990, 2000, 2001, 2005, 2008, Israel offered the Palestinians a state over and over and over again. Most recently, Eir Omer offered them a state on over 95% of the West Bank and 100% of the Gaza Strip, and they did not respond positively. And when the United States under President Clinton, along with Ehud Barak, offered the Palestinians a state in 2000-2001 on 90-plus percent of the West Bank and all of the Gaza, The response was an intifada in which 4,000 people were killed. That's the reality. That's the truth. Not what you read in the New York Times. Not what you see necessarily on CNN. Not what you hear from Bernie Sanders, who's a total ignoramus when it comes to uh, Israel. Not what you hear from the squad. So please learn the truth and learn that Israel is America's staunchest ally uh, in the Middle East. The two together can fight against terrorism, can fight against cyber terrorism, can fight against the Iranian enemy. Remember, Iran says that the United States is the great Satan and Israel is the small Satan. If Iran would have developed nuclear weapons, it would not only endanger Israel, it would endanger the United States and its allies in Europe. So please understand what side the United States should be on, why this should once again return and be a bipartisan issue. This should not be an issue that divides Republicans from Democrats. And tragically, it's becoming that. It is certainly dividing Republicans from the hard left Democrats, but it's also dividing centrist Democrats from hard left Democrats. And we have to return to the days when Israel is a bipartisan issue. The question that I ask everybody is, what would you do if your country were attacked by rockets? What would you do? Well, we know what the United States did when The Cuban Missile Crisis occurred. We know that it was prepared to go to war to defend itself if the Soviet Union didn't back down and remove the rockets. We know the Cuban Missile Crisis came close to a crisis situation, and any democracy would do the same thing. So let's all show support for the democracy called Israel in the Middle East, for the country that's right, not for the terrorist group that's wrong. That's my position on the Der Show, 
you can tweet your answers and whatever your answers, whatever your position, whatever your questions, if you tweet them, I will respond to them on the next edition of The Dirt Show.